for two questions. One was, why, and these were coming from you all, why do adults not or not want to, quote, go to church? And the other is, why do youth not or not want to go to church? So what we're going to do is first we're going to ask the adults to give us, to try to give your best, the top five answers. Okay? You get... So you guys can consult with each other. Now, you guys should consult with each other about what you think those might be, because if they don't get them all, you get to guess. So you can circle up. And, okay. So the first one is, what did I say? Kids, right? Why do youth not or not want to, go, quote, go to church? Oh, can we? Are we doing adults first? Okay, we're doing adults first. So adults. Oh, no, we're doing kids first. Okay. I'm not that good at this. Okay, but it's going to be great. All right, you guys ready? You, you get, you're going to get three, get three times to try to, get, to knock it out. All right? So, are you ready? Sure. Okay, what is your answer number one? What do you think? It doesn't, these are not in con, any kind of order, just five answers. So which were first one? Uh, we talked about uh, just being sleepy. Sleepy. Do we have sleepy? <laughs> Wait, we do. We do, I think. We do. There we go. <laughs> I don't know if those, were those numbers really right? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, okay, you're still in it. You're still in it. This is for the kids. Top five reasons kids do not or do not want to come to church. Boring. Do we have boring? We do. Boring. Okay. 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 Shh, don't let them hear you. Don't let them. What's your answer? What's your answer? Need a break. Okay, all right, okay. Other activities. Yeah. Other activities. Do we need to be more specific? Sports. All right, you kind of gave them that. I'm not sure that's, okay. Next, next. Uh, parents don't want to bring them. Parents, parents don't want to bring them. Okay. Two more up there. You've got boring, they want more sleep, and uh, they've got sports. I think in that was like either participating or just watching. They want to be with their friends. Is that your final answer? Sure. Okay. They want to be with their friends. No. All right. Do you guys have... For the steal. For the steal. For the steal. You've got to agree together. Who's your spokesperson? They can't get a ride. Okay, all right, let's see what the other two are. What? No friends there. Nobody, 
and doubt. Okay, all right, so get ready because you guys are up next with the adults. Let's do, and you guys be thinking what you might steal with. All right. Right now the adults are winning. Sorry guys, okay. All right, so top five reasons adults do not want to come to church. What's your? Tired or sleeping? Okay, you guys have a lot in common. What else? Okay, other plans. I think you got it right. Busy, work, other plans. All right, okay. Say it again. Okay. Doubt or fear? <laughs> They're telling you up here what to do because they could get this right. <laughs> Shame or fear? Okay, all right. Their kids are sick or they're in something with their kids? All right. You got two more guesses. <laughs> they think it's boring. Uninterested, okay? One more. Marcho, do you want to help him? Do you want to give him a shot? One more for the W. Coach, Coach Marchant's out there. Do you want to ask the congregation? No friends, says somebody in the congregation. Any other guesses? Don't believe. Uh, sports again. They're angry. Say it again. Nothing to wear. <laughs> I know that feeling. Okay. Um, what do you want to, you want to pick one of those? Okay, well, you guys are not saying the same thing. Let's... Is that your final answer? Okay, their final answer is no friends, nobody they know. Oh my gosh! The youth won. Um, parents, you got to do anything they want to do this afternoon. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you very much, all of you. So there's nothing, absolutely nothing scientific about this. Um, we, those were questions that you all answered. Those were responses from this congregation. Again, we've talked about how you can look all over the media, wherever you want to look, on Facebook and newspapers, the Wall Street Journal, NPR, The Atlantic, uh, the, the New York Times. Everybody's writing about the decline in the church. So, and everybody's got different theories about it. So we're talking for six weeks about why then are we here? What are we doing together? And what brings you here? And last week we talked about uh, a passage in Hebrews and a passage in Psalms about actually what, what is potentially happening here is that we are being uh, anointed by God we are being encouraged by one another to be God's people in the world. So 
Today, uh, we're going to spend the next five weeks talking about what it is the church does. And one of those things that we do is, is worship. So what is that? What is worship? What are we actually doing when we worship? Um, I want to read a couple of scriptures, and um, then we'll talk some about that. Let me pray. Gracious God, we come before you and open our hearts to the power of your Holy Spirit present with us now. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So from Psalm 100, that was the psalm that our uh, young people led today. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord. And you know, if you read these passages, you've got your, you can look up the bulletin. Read the passages that we talk about in worship. Read them at home. Read them with your children. Uh, some translations say, serve the Lord with gladness. Some say, worship the Lord with gladness. That's because the words in Hebrew, worship and serve, are the same. So, Worship the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and not we ourselves. You know, I wrote to uh, Austin and Walker and Marchant and said, you know, I hope you'll read through these words and think about what they mean. Like, that's pretty amazing that we get together and humbly say, we are not our own. We did not make ourselves. We are God's people and the sheep of his pastor. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. God's steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to how many generations? All. Never ends. And then from John 4, maybe some of you know this story. If you don't read it, it's this really amazing encounter that Jesus has. Uh, he has stopped uh, in Samaria, and he's sitting by a well, and he speaks to a woman, a Samaritan woman, which people are all up in arms about. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, but read it. And he says to her, will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you don't even have a bucket. The well is deep. Where are you going to get living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well and his sons and his flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up with eternal life, with abundant life. The hour is coming, says Jesus, and it is here now where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. So what exactly is worship? I want to start just briefly by, by saying what I think it's not. And, and let me just say one thing. The, the, when we gather on Sundays, the sermon, I don't care who's giving it, is not, it does not end in a period. It ends in an ellipsis. It means keep talking about these things. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you a couple of things I think worship is not, that I think we get confused. It is not proof of being a good Christian. I can't tell you how many times I will run into people uh, in the grocery store, something there, and over the years, I've been a pastor many years, and they're, they're like, oh, I'm so, I know I haven't been to church lately. As if, like they're in trouble. As if I'm going to think they're not a good Christian. As if, I mean, what? What is it we think we're proving, and to whom? To God? To ourselves? To our neighbors, our community? To our pastor? No. Coming to worship on Sunday is not proof that we are a good Christian. In fact, it is exactly the opposite. It is the admission of our own inadequacy. Were you paying attention with the song we started with? I need you. We don't come in here proving we're good people. We come in here because we are hungry for the word and for the table because we are needy. I need you. And think about that. I was thinking about that when all the children came up. What a gift it is for your children to see you in worship humbly admitting you need God. So worship is not proof of being a good Christian. A time to say, get brownie points with God because you showed up. Worship is not, and this second one is similar, but it's different, a payback to God. It's not, well, I, I want to go to church because God's been so good to me. That would be silly, wouldn't it? I mean, think about the great hymn, love so amazing, so divine, demands my heart, my soul, my all. It doesn't say, demands I go to church once a week. I mean, the gift of God is so big and so vast. The notion that, like, payback is, I go to church. I go to worship. It's silly. It's absolutely silly. We come here in response to a gift of grace that we can never repay. But it claims us. Worship is not performance or entertainment. Now this is tricky. Because our consumeristic mentality has us even talking about church that way. I'm shopping for a church. 
you know, consumers shop. Disciples discern where God is calling them. So it's not performance, it's not entertainment, it's not about if you like the preacher or like the songs or like the sermon or like this and that. The, all of those categories grow out of a mindset of extreme individualism that makes, in our narcissistic society, that makes the satisfaction of an individual the end-all and be-all of everything. And the church is not in the business of customer satisfaction. They're in the business of calling people to come together in community to follow in the way of Jesus. That is different. Now, that being said, I do want to say, both youth and adults say, church is boring. And you know what? If that's the case, we are not doing it right. Because what worship really is, is something that could never be boring. Now, I want to make the distinction, though. It's also not entertainment. And there is a difference between entertainment and inspiration. Entertainment is that make me feel good right now. Inspiration, literally the words mean being filled with the breath of God. And let me tell you, if we come here and we open our hearts, again, I don't care who's preaching or who's leading worship, we will be filled with the breath of God, and that is not boring. But it means all of us together have to talk about these things. We have to say, when, listen, I read a thing this week, 50% of young people say they have had an experience of awe. A spiritual experience of awe. Who are they talking to about it? This ought to be the place. This is the community. That's what it means to be church. That's what we do in worship. We, we stand in awe before the God who made us. We did not make ourselves. And so what is worship? I once asked a group of children this. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I, I was serving a church where we had a ton of children and I liked for them to participate regularly in worship. So elementary school kids, I would get together with them uh, once a year and, and do a worship training. We would talk about you know, what it would meant to, to lead worship like Austin and Walker did today. And uh, so I, I had them together, and so I simply asked, hey, what, are you all, what is worship? Crickets. It was a terribly inadequate question. I hadn't framed it developmentally appropriately. In my mind, I'm like sweating, you know, when you're in front of the children. I'm like uh, trying to reformulate the question so maybe they'll answer in more enthusiastic ways. And one of the young girls, third or fourth grade, rescued me. Well, Pastor Pam, it's hard to say what worship is. It's easier to say what we do when we worship. Whew. I was like, terrific. Okay, guys, what do we do in worship? And all these little kids, they, they all perked up. We pray, we listen, we read the Bible, we sing, we say things we're sorry for, we give offerings. We baptize. I love that part. I love when we baptize. 
We eat, we eat together. Awesome, I said. So why do you think we do those things? And a fourth grade boy said it as well as any theologian has ever said it, to connect with God. To be filled with the living water that has no end. That's what worship is. One Old Testament theologian, Walter Brueggemann, says, it's a rendezvous with God. It's where we meet the living God. And for that to be boring is false witness. That doesn't mean you're stimulated and entertained at every minute. But if you're paying attention and you're opening your heart, God is present and will meet you. But here's the thing, and I want to just, I'm going to close with this little illustration. We, worship is important because we all have what, I mean, theologians have talked about this forever and ever. They say it in different ways, but we all know it. And that is, St. Augustine called it, we all have, uh, we are, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in God. One philosopher said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in all of us, and we try to fill it with other things. So I just want to think about this for one second. I like to call that we all have a hole in our soul. So if this is your soul, and you know what? It starts when we're young. Because teenagers, this is when you start to feel it disappointments, loss, the fear of rejection. And so we start spinning our wheels. How can I fill that emptiness? So there's one strategy, and by the way, older young people, pay attention. I'd be interested to talk to you this week if you notice any of these patterns, if they started in your youth and maybe you still have the same ones. So one way we try to fill our holes, we say, I'm going to be so successful. I'm always going to get A's. I am going to make every team I'm on. I'm going to go to the right college. Big name, big name. Get the best grades. Maybe be a valedictorian. I'm going to get the best job. I'm going to get a raise. I'm going to buy a big house. I'm going to buy things for my kids and take them on good vacation. And that should make me feel full and whole. But it doesn't. It's not bad. But it doesn't fill the emptiness. There's another strategy. When I was 16, this was my favorite one. I'm going to make, and and by the way, still struggle with it. I'm going to make everybody happy. My parents are going to be happy with me, my friends. I'm going to be friends with every friend group in the whole school. I'm going to make my teachers happy. I'm going to make my siblings happy. I'm going to solve all the fights between other people. I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to... You can't make all the people happy all the time. And by the way, well, you know that. Here's another one. I just have to have the right relationship. 
right? If that person, that boy, that girl would just look my way, if I can, if I can marry the right person, if I can have a right relationship with my kids, I can be the best parent. It's all about relationships. And that, those relationships are going to make me feel full. Some of you know what it's like to be the person who's being used in that way. No relationship can fill the hole in your soul. There's other ways. Sometimes we just decide we're going to numb it. Hole in the soul, I don't know what you're talking about, Pam. I'm happy. I'm busy all the time. Look at my calendar. I never take a rest. I never stop. There's all kinds of strategies. But what worship is, is the acknowledgement when we come here that the only thing that it will continuously flow through us and give us life and life to share with others is the living water that Jesus offers. That's what we do in worship. We fill ourselves again and again so that we can be the people God calls us to be, whether we're 14 or 74. I think I've gone a little over, but let me just say one last thing. Not too long ago, I was at a youth camp with a young woman named Bridget. She'd really been struggling. She was about 16 years old, really struggling, really at odds with her parents. Big, big things going on in her life. And during the course of the week, she felt this filling up with the Holy Spirit. And she wanted me to witness. She said, Pam, will you come with me? I want to call my mom and tell her what I'm realizing and what I'm thinking. So she called her mom. She was, you know, Mom, I've been so wrong, and I think I'm figuring some things out, and I just feel like God is with me, and like I've got, I'm finding out my purpose, and this and that, and she's going on and on, and she's crying, and I can tell the mom is crying, and, and then she, Bridget looks at me. She goes, my mom wants to know if I can come back every week. And before I could say anything, Bridget turned back on the friend and said to her mom, Mom, that's what worship is for. That's what worship is for. Amen.